Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 541 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. Hello. You can hear me, right? No, I, yes. Yep, I'm here and, you know, ready to do a wonderful comic book podcast, the Lamborghini of wonderful comic book podcasts. You know, a lot of people say that uh, doing the, it's just an audio podcast. We would never make the video available to anyone else, but they do sometimes say that having the video uh, there helps recording a podcast. I find it distracting. I, I think it would probably help, but I know you put the, the kibosh on it a long time ago. So I'm used to, after a few like 539 episodes, I finally got used to it. Well, that's the thing. I was going to say, I I could very easily turn the video on uh, for you. Right. And you could have the video on for me. We just might have to revisit this come June or July. Okay. Why is that? Uh, not for me, for you. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Maybe one of these days we'll try to do it with the video on so we can see each other to see if it... uh adds or detracts from anything sure no problem we could do that's what the kids call an experiment yes so let's get into the show this week we have news to cover uh involving one of our beloved books that's discussed i would say (laughs) there's 541 episodes of this show at least 43 of them have uh, dealt with this book Mm -hmm. and some controversy over some of the art choices this past week what is in a name, Todd, when it comes to the next big DC project? Speaking of which, where did all of a certain no longer exclusive to DC creators' creative owned <laughs> works go? Oh. oh, I get what you mean by June, July. I figured it out. Let's go. Okay. You got it? You, you yep. with me? Yeah, I'm, I'm on the trolley now. All right. I don't want to blow up your spot. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> Uh, digital books and sales, what we read this past week, which is the aforementioned Immortal Hulk number 43, as well as Redemption number one. Mm-hmm. What we're looking forward to coming out this week, Todd and Joe have issues as we uh, continue to the trail of Jonah Hex, circa 2000 aughts or whatever, and uh, the infamous Spider Clone Saga. Todd's Art Attack, and of course, spoiler-filled discussion of the uh, most recent episode of WandaVision. Ooh, full plate, just Mm -hmm. like I like it. Yes. So Thursday, uh, I was alerted in regards to a controversy over something in issue 43 of Immortal Hulk. Mm Mm-hmm. And apparently there's a scene, which we'll kind of get into a little bit more in depth when we talk about the actual issue in and of itself, uh, that in the background on the window of the jewelry store, uh, jewelry is spelled wrong, and the Star of David is drawn in a way by the artist that led a lot of people to believe that there were some anti-Semitic connotations to this. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Bennett released a statement regarding this, uh, saying that he had been including references to famous horror directors to pay respects to the genre throughout the series. Uh, this issue was a nod to David Cronenberg. The misspellings on the window were an honest but terrible mistake. Since I was writing backwards, I accidentally spelled both these words wrong. Then said that I have no excuse for how I depicted the Star of David. I failed to understand this troubling and offensive stereotype. And after listening to all of you, I understand my mistake. This was wrong, offensive, and hurtful in many ways. This is a mistake I must own, and I'm sorry to everyone who I hurt by this. Uh, I am working with Marvel to correct this and using this lesson to reflect on how I approach my stories and my work. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the physical book is recalled. New uh, copies with the non-offending images and wording are being taken out. The digital versions have already been updated to completely remove the information. Now, I had people come to me and said they feel as though this was done on purpose. I've heard certain people say that, too. Right. And I would like to give the artist Joe Bennett the benefit of the doubt, of course, um, especially based on his apology. You know, um, it's crazy to think over the last however many years that we've been doing this show, especially within the last, like, let's say 10 to 12 months, there's been a lot of people who have had to apologize for a lot of things. And I feel as though this is, you know, what an apology should be. Right. And now whether, okay, I'm going to take out whether or not Joe Bennett did it on purpose or not. Like not that part, but the fact that there was in this book, you know, who should get in trouble too? the editor. Exactly. There should be an editor looking at this because when this all went down, you know what I mean? Like, like I was like, okay, well, somebody's got to look over this stuff and like check every minute detail. And that happened. And I'm like, this is, this is out of control. And I get, I get, okay, you, I'm not Jewish. So like, we always talk about we're, you know, we're white, middle-aged, whatever you want to call. So like, I, I, I can't say if, if someone who is Jewish finds it, you know, anti-Semitic or whatever, but like, I, I get, all right, I get the star David thing. I get, you know, like the, the, the jewelry looks like jewelry, you know what I mean? Kind of a thing. Okay. I can understand that. But the one part that kind of was like, uh, was where he was talking about the money and they're like, Oh, and that's in it. You know, that's it's stereotype. And I'm like, okay, I get what you're saying there, but I do believe that we'll get to the book. That's an important plot point that he's buying something very expensive. Do you know what I mean? So I was yes. like, okay, so I get all this and it's really weird, but, um, I, I'm just glad that like they could, you know, hopefully fix it. And I want to see if, uh, cause we talk about that immortal Hulk's only got, we believe is only going to go to 50. This was, uh, 43. So 44 and 45 are in the solicits. So does that mean, you know, they'll get just out of, on a whim. Maybe they'll get somebody to do the last five issues. You know what I mean? Different. I don't know. It's just, there's a lot going on here. Um, and I hope, you know, like, you know, he is sorry and it was a mistake. Right now, I, I would have to do a little bit more digging. I remember more recently, and I say more recently, maybe within the last like two or three years, maybe there was something put into an X-Men comic that was a little bit more overt, I guess. 
write it with some uh, graffiti on the wall by our. Ari Saif. I don't know how to say the name. I, I, yeah. I might not even have the name right, but I remember that happening. And that was a little bit more poignant, or and I don't want to say poignant, but a little bit more specific, where it was specific to, like, Indonesia, specifically against certain religions. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel as though, and again, obviously there's a language barrier there with that artist who did that X-Men thing, um, again, uh, Adrian's, and again, I feel bad. It's S Y A F is the last name. I always said safe, you know what I mean? Right. But I don't know. So there is a language barrier. There's a cultural barrier. There's a lot of other things, but it felt as though this was specifically put in there to give these sort of connotations regarding whatever that political climate is there. Mm-hmm. Um, I- I, I can't speak it. for Joe Bennett, but based on his, and there was no apology explanation or otherwise from Adrian Siaf. There is an explanation, apology, and make good by Joe Bennett. Now, right. you think this is going to cause Joe Bennett to get taken off of like the last five issues? I didn't say that. It makes me wonder okay. if, you know what I mean? Controversy does do stuff, man. Stuff has ramifications, even if, you know, I don't know. So let's just put it this this way. Would I be surprised if he was? No. You know? Right. Now, obviously, I think Joe Bennett uh, is Brazilian, maybe? I believe so. Okay. And I think, obviously, there may be some, you know, cultural differences there between you and I and him. And I really don't think that we, you and I, are in a place to be judging this. It's more or less just kind of discussing the facts and what the fallout of this could be. Mm-hmm. And if people were hurt by this and that sort of thing. But I come back to you at the crux of this is the editor should have caught this. Right. And, and that's, you know, really what it comes down to. Um, if it was a mistake... I feel as though Joe Bennett has done the best he can, circumstances notwithstanding, but I, I can't say that that's a, you know, an apology that's acceptable to all people that saw that or were offended by mm-hmm. it or whatever. The, the, I, I, I'm going to go back to just say, like you said, the editor certainly should have caught this. The caller should have caught this. You know, there should have been more people to get on this mm-hmm. to let before it got out like that. I will say really quick though that uh this has put um I have seen people in the art groups and stuff that I'm in s- selling pages to get re- to get them out of their collection because of it and commissions and stuff like that and I've only had, had seen that happen twice with Saif and the other one to do it is I don't know if you can take a guess on who the third one is that Van Yep those those are so far those are the two and now Bennett's popping up. I saw a couple people like, well, here's a commission I got off him two, three years ago. I'm, I'm selling cheap to kind of make some money back because of this. So, you know, that's why I'm, that's why I say things that there's, you know, there's backlash kind of. A thing. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is uh, an unfortunate event. Um, hopefully, I guess, you know, the folks that made a mistake, learn the lesson we'd like to take them at their their word that there was no ill intent 
but so obviously sometimes what we intend and what the outcome is are not the same. Exactly. Um, so unrelated, of course, we discussed this before uh, a couple of weeks ago. While Brian Michael Bendis is still working for DC, <laughs> he no longer has an exclusive with DC. Right. When he changed his exclusive from Marvel to DC, there was a period of time where his creator-owned books, uh, everything from Scarlet, which he did new issues of at DC, uh, Powers, United States of Murder, etc., all of his creator-owned stuff, that was under Marvel's... Was it under Max or Epic? Was it Icon? Icon, that's what it was. So it was under Icon, they went away from the online store, and then they re-popped up on DC's online store. Mm-hmm. Well, now that the exclusive is over, those books just don't exist out there anymore. Right. Um, they are not on any sort of digital platform or otherwise. Now, the new stuff that he did, um, when he did, remember when he did Scarlet and two other books, like right at the same time at DC? Yes. I think one was called Pearl and the other one was called Cover, maybe? I definitely know one. The one was Pearl, and I think the okay. other one was Cover. Those ones are still there, right? But those because were newer ones done at DC. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But the stuff that was previously in Marvel then came over to DC. Now the exclusive with DC is gone. Those are gone. Just very weird on how these sort of things happen when your exclusivity runs out. You know, I know we yeah. had talked a week or two ago when the exclusivity went away. Um, you know, he'll still do stuff for DC. Will he do stuff for Marvel? But will he go to a boom or someone? Right. Image or whoever, you know. Right. Back to image or whatever it is. And then those books will then pop up on that store. Now, what I wonder is the folks that maybe bought those books digitally under one. Did they lose them when they went away from Marvel when they bought them through DC, did they lose them again? Like, are they no longer in their collection? That I wouldn't know, but I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I do feel that they'll pop up again whenever, like, Bendis is like, oh, I got some time to finagle them onto Comixology or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I have to do the paperwork now because all that was under, like, DC's lawyers were handling all that. And the ones that he did at DC are still there because, you know, they they had a hand in it and these are like, Oh no, these, you know, they're like, here, these are yours. We're since you're not exclusive, we're not paying to, you know, deal with the rights with these things anymore. But I do think they'll pop up. I don't think long, but like you said, will people get those books back or have lost them? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Now, last but not least, another bit of DC business. Uh, rumor came out, and typically we do not deal in a rumor and innuendo <laughs> on this show. Right. Uh, there aren't many shows that still are recorded on a regular basis that deal in rumor and innuendo. <laughs> that they were changing Black Adam's name from Black Adam to Shazadam. <laughs> Sounds legit. Okay. So, I get why you're going to change the name maybe i don't know i don't like it i think it sounds dumb um but we've known black we've known him as black adam for so long even if you wanted to just call him teth adam Mm -hmm. 
but I'm sure there was some sort of Warner executive that says we need something snappy. We need something that's like the opposite of Shazam, but somehow keep true to the original Black Adam name. What did we come up with? How about something like Shazam, uh, Shazam, but better? And then he leaves <laughs> the room and they're like, oh, Shazam it is, huh? Right. So but, go ahead. I would say, but isn't this now definitely a joke? No. Okay. So, this comes out, and everyone makes the joke about it. Everyone from Bendis uh, to D- uh, DC's PR people, everyone is like, it's not happening, okay? Mm-hmm. However, the comic book dirt sheet, Bleeding Cool, says, I've put a red band through these panels to protect the... Uh, retailer that shared their advanced copy of Infinite Frontier Zero with me, where in the book, in the four-page story that shows the return of Black Adam, he's called Shazadam throughout all of it. Okay. Now, where I go to with this is, this is this was an advanced retailer copy that was sent to some retailers of a book that's coming out in a month plus. Um, do they, um, Monarch Hank Halvis? Oh, deep cut right there. Like it. Um, I think this is all going to be a gag, not a gag, but it's going to be a thing. You know what I mean? Like that he's still black Adam, but the people are calling him Shazadam. I don't know. I just I just don't see this sticking because it is the du- I still think this is fake. That it oh, I definitely think it's in the books. I have no problem with that. But like even the panel that I saw is like somebody uh somebody who's not a hero yelling out like Shazadam is Shay saving us or whatever. Uh, but I don't think this sticks and I don't think it makes it I, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do a complete reverse on this. It's showing up in the next Captain Marvel movie or wherever he is. That somebody's gonna be like, you know, have the director say, have Jimmy Pistol say Shazam. I I don't know. I'm just I'm at a loss with this because it's so dumb, Joe. So, so here's what I say in regards to this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's in the digital edition. This was sent to retailers. Maybe now we 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 talked about the Immortal Hulk, the Joe Bennett the anti-Semitic stuff that was unfortunately in the book. And then we talk about, was there like um, intent there? Mm-hmm. I think there was intent here. Obviously it's a much smaller scale. It's not offending anyone, but I feel as though someone had the idea of Shazadam said, let's put it in the digital edition, send it out to maybe some of the, Maybe more notoriously known loose-lipped retailers. <laughs> and see how this name holds up in the court of public opinion. It hasn't right. gone to press yet. You we know, still have time to change it if we need to. If this co- completely gets buried by the public. Right. There's a great moment in Game of Thrones. Right. And it'll come around. Don't you worry. Um where uh, Tyrion, who's uh, I can't think of, he played, um, he uh, he was uh, he's he's the short actor who was in X Men, uh, Days of Future Past oh, as Peter Trask. Dink- 
Peter Dinklage, my brain was fried there for a second. I'll know him as Tyrion, where he's like, okay, I'm working, I'm working for the royalty, blah, blah, blah. And somebody's slipping, somebody's slipping secrets. So he tells the people that he thinks that's leaking all the secrets, but he changes one detail in each of them. And when the news comes back to him, he's like, all right, I said, we're definitely doing this and we're shipping this person off as to another country to be our goodwill ambassador, whatever. And each time he told the person, he told it was going to be somebody different and it shows back up and he's like, all right, it was Joe bag of donuts because you said it's this person. And I'm wondering if like, there was like 17 different ridiculous black Adam names and they sent them out to these retailers and it's like, all right, um, you know, uh, Jiffy's Pop Comics is Shazadam's one, and they did it, so, like, let's cut them off, you know? I, I would doubt, like, the, the deep plan at DC, because they've been doing it right now for, oh, months to years. Ugh. Anyway. So, I like that theory that there's multiple fake Shazam names, fake Black Adam names out there. Yep. <laughs> but this is the only one that leaked out to the press. Right. Because after this one leaked out, all the other retailers were like, we have different ones. We're not saying nothing. Uh-huh. But, well, I, I'd like to think there's at least two uh, retailers with scruples in the world. Mm-hmm. At least two. At least two. Yeah. I don't know about all their workers, but at least two. I'd say the over-under's three. <laughs> oh, boy. So uh, a lot of interesting things going on in the world of comics this week. Mm-hmm. If you want more interesting things going on everywhere in the world, you could always head over to soon to be named network.com soon to be named network.tumblr.com uh, where all the shows in our little group of like-minded individuals, anytime their podcasts come out, whether it be this show, uh, long box heroes after dark puzzle warriors, three profane arguments, uh, final Wrestling Place, Wednesday Night War, At Odds with Wrestling, or anytime any of these folks appear on any other shows. I know I didn't mention it maybe a couple weeks ago. Adam was on a uh, friend of the show, Kevin Hellions, uh, Retro Network, House Show, The Run-In, Hot Tag Show. Ooh, that's all. Adam, just... got, Adam got to tell his podcasting secret origin. Oh, okay. That's his seamless name as uh, Rob Sir Recaps. Rob Sir Recaps made us a long hiatus return. Do, and I, I, we can discuss it here. Um, mm-hmm. You do. Uh, the, the only reason that it came <laughs> back was I was listening to the episode and I heard the Rob extolling. It, it was as though he was reading a script that was provided to him by Todd. <laughs> okay. And I'm a couple, you know, I'm a couple episodes behind just because there's other podcasts that are coming up that either are super long or just take precedence for a variety of reasons. And then I saw uh, the most recent episode of uh, Rob Servations was him extolling the virtues of his favorite Marvel uh, villain, mm-hmm. Doctor Doom. Right. And every time I see these things, I'm like, oh, Todd and the Rob, they're very similar, yet so different. Right. He was going off about how great Justice League International was, now yep. Doctor Doom. But every once in, our, uh, once in a while, me and the Robs trains run parallel. Mm-hmm. You know? 
Yes, indeed. Uh, so and like I said, anytime any of those folks show up on any other shows, they exist there. Soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, be sure to check out our local retailer, uh, Comics on the Green. He does a brisk mail order business, he does a brisk subscription business. He combines the two. If you do not have a comic book store in your area or a comic book store in your area that is good and you want those physical books, Dave at Comics on the Green has a mail order subscription service. The link to his Facebook is in every episode show notes. That's where he is most active with his retail and business. So definitely check him out. Check out our friend Becky, who does a lot of art and does a lot of uh, commissions and so forth. She was very happy to see not only her Batman, but also her skirt appeared on the local news for the Ice Festival this past weekend. Go check out her Instagram. Uh, Check out friends of the show, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters. Both of those are over on Comixology. And Rick Williams' Chop Shop, where he does those cool resin figures of all sorts of sci-fi, fantasy, wrestling, etc. type things. These are friends of the show, we recommend you go check out the stuff that they're putting out into the ether, uh, you know, that we think is cool as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the digital books and sales this week, Todd. There is a ton of new stuff and a couple stuff held over from the last few weeks. Uh, Riverdale, uh, Archie stuff is winding down. Marvel, Black Panther, Miles Morales stuff. Um, Valiant having what they're calling BIPOC. Uh for people of color, uh, character lead characters in their bo- their book sale, Marvel is also having sales on America Chavez and Fantastic Four stuff. Uh, DC is having a DC Heroes in Love sale. Uh, IDW is having a sale on the stuff that they acquired from Top Shelf. Dynamite is having a sale on their creator owned stuff, and Image is having a Best of 2020 sale. Uh, and in that Best of 2020 sale over at Image. As I'm just looking this over here, there's got to be stuff that jumps out at me that's not immediately. Uh, again, not there. Let's just say we may have a difference of opinion of what they call and what I call their best of 2020 stuff, but maybe there'll be something in there for you. <laughs> um, a lot of those uh, Valentine Day specials are uh, collected in that DC uh, Heroes in Love sale. Right. And I would also be remiss not to mention that a lot of the uh, Rebirth stuff is in there, and that stuff does not regularly go on sale. It's a lot of newer stuff. Uh, Sadly, it does not appear as though uh, Dark Knight Returns or Batman Year One... No, I stand corrected. Batman Year One is in this. Oh, okay. Stand down, everybody. That's right. We could reset the clock. That's right. We don't riot tonight. Uh, but I will say um, the Ed Brubaker Catwoman series is included in this sale. Ooh. And you can get the full run of that for just a smidge under 36 bucks. And that's a, a great run of a great comic book that we discussed uh, here earlier in the year. Yes. That's right. The The book that had... Catwoman's one true love, Slam Bradley, as far as I'm concerned. Of course. There's no no other lover for Catwoman other than Slam Bradley. So all the links to those will be in the show notes as well, uh, as well as what we read this past week, Todd. 
where would you like to begin? Well, I'm going to start with the book I was looking forward to most because I know you read it. Um, Redemption, if that's okay. Yes. Uh, Redemption, number one, written by Christina Faust with art by Mike Diodato Jr. Yes. So basically this takes place after some unnamed apocalypse. I don't know what's actually happened. Um, but we're in this little town, I believe it's called Redemption, and uh, this woman doctor is being uh, punished for doing something that will hurt, that uh, believes that will hurt the community, because she ends up helping a young girl get get rid of a, you know, a baby, so a pregnancy, so she ends up, you know, being like, the the pastor and the sheriff are like, no, no, no. Like this is like revolution kind of a deal. And they're going to put her in jail. And while she's in jail, her daughter comes to her and says like, you know who we need? Um, the person like who was an outlaw in this area who like stood up to everybody was Kat Tanner. And they end up showing like a brief history of her, like, uh, like the story that told the legend, like how she's doing this and like how she gets maimed at one point And then later like gets, gets, you know, uh, enhanced and everything and her going around and the mother's like, you, if you're going to find her, I would not do that because, you know, like the idea of what she is, is great. But once you're, you know, once you've seen the violence, it's not pretty. And the daughter's like, well, you know, I'm going to go to help the mother. She goes and she goes out and, you know, maybe she runs into cat uh, and cat might be the coolest character that I've seen in a long, long time. Her answer to the question of who are you is one of my favorite one, uh, one liners of, uh, and not in a funny way of 2021 already. Um, this book Looks beautiful. It's uh, it's Mike Diodato Jr. Um, I could tell that he's doing a digital thing. I could always tell, you know, like the difference in the art looks different from back, like from his Dark Avengers days. But I still love it. It's gritty. Looks good for this book. Um, basically, if I did an elevator pitch for this, is like if basically somebody said we're doing Jonah Hex in the post-apocalyptic future book, but we're going to make it a female cyborg. And I'm like. Okay, I'll read that book. Uh, so I like this. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in a mindset, reading a westerny sort of thing with all the Jonah stuff that we're reading for uh, Todd and Joe have issues. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm sure there's... I'm not sure if we discussed it last week, but it bears repeating here that the uh, Cat Tanner is, I'm sure, intentionally supposed to look like Linda Hamilton for a reason. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine why. <laughs> right. Um, they do a really good job of attempting to build up this world. Mm-hmm. But I think they gave us maybe too many characters in the first issue. Okay. And I get why we're supposed to have all these intertwined people just to kind of show how intertwined everyone is in this post-apocalyptic Western-style thing where water is a currency, um, which I liked that little bit. Uh, maybe, maybe you know what I would. Uh, I would. My elevator pitch on this would have been Waterworld done right. Ah, that is a good one. It's <laughs> it, it does have a little bit of uh, Mad Max Fury Road in it too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it just felt as though because it was pulling from so many very popular tropes, you know, Waterworld being the most popular of them all, <laughs> and introducing these characters, they're 
maybe I'm just not feeling the footing of what the story is going to be because, you know, you have your Terminator vibes, you have your Mad Max vibes, you have your Western vibes, you have your post-apocalyptic vibes. I'm sure it could work. Mm -hmm. I liked it, but I just felt like maybe there was just too much going on in the first issue that there's no real identity to where this could go when it has, like, four identities mashed together and we're hoping they're all going to, like, suss themselves out okay and i i get what you're saying but i just think i don't think there's too many characters i think all you really need to know are the the leader of the town and his and his crony because every good leader has a crony and then the doctor is really the MacGuffin kind of a thing like i'm gonna go get um cat because to save my mother and then there's a couple other side characters that show up that like i have like three lines and i'm like so I don't I I, I kind of see what you're saying, but I don't get it because I'm not overwhelmed. I'm like I'm just looking at the the four main characters in in the first comic, which you know you look at something like crossover and that they've had you know we enjoyed that issue, but they had just as many characters pop up that were explained in the first issue as they might have had more than in Redemption. No, I'm I, like I said, I'm with you and I get you. Um, it just maybe, um. Maybe I was just overwhelmed because I'm an old fuddy-duddy. Okay, fair enough. I'm just saying, I don't know, you know. But I I will say the one thing in my old fuddy-duddiness came into, I don't want to say that I was clutching my pearls, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of swearing in this book. Yes, it is a, a uh, more of a mature reader's book. I didn't know that that's the way it was going to be when I bought it. Right. I mean, it has a mature right on the cover. Um, but when I was buying it, it was more of like, I didn't even see it in the, the previews, if you will. It was probably there, but I was like, Mike Diodato uh, Jr. doing the art. I, I don't know who the, the writer was at the time. Like I hadn't read anything she had done, but I was like, I like the look. I like the premise. I'll buy it. And then I got it. I was like, oh, this is a mature book, but I'm fine with it. But buyer beware. I'm with you. Right. I just think it's because of what we've read more recently Mm-hmm. The the stuff that has swears in it has been used a little bit more sparingly. Right. Where this was like a swear this was like a swear a word balloon, it felt like. Right. It was swear a palooza. Right. I think they just took the <laughs> they took the unused script for Deadpool 3 and shaved off the serial numbers. <laughs> That's right. Deadpool done right, you mean. Well, I'm still waiting for that to happen. It's been mm-hmm. 20 plus years. Uh, but no, check it out. If you're interested in any of those types of genres, as we've mentioned, or you miss uh, Mike Diodato's art and want to support a new company, it's, oh, it's AWA Studios as the uh, publisher on this. Yes, it is. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, check it out. Uh, the other book, of course, that we both read, I'm sure, was Immortal Hulk number 43. We've kind of opined a bit about this uh, before. Uh, controversy, not the story. But uh, this is a Joe Fixit story mm-hmm. at its core. This is uh, the Omega Flight folks, or what was the Hulk? What was because it's like Alpha Flight people because you got Puck, you've got Sasquatch with Doc Samson. They're trying to put those two back together, right? Uh, like whatever that crew was that now they've been ousted by Henry Peter Gyrick, and he is training the UFOs. To go uh, suss out where the Hulk is, but I don't think they know 
that the only Hulk that we have is Joe Fixit in Banner's body and a severely underpowered Savage Hulk. Right. And just for the record, that is Gamma Flight. That Gamma Hulk Flight, Hulk. that's what it was. I knew it was a something flight. Right. And this is basically, um, like you said, it's down to, you know, emaciated, strongest one there is Hulk and uh, Joe Fixit in Banner's body. And it's Joe, who might be my favorite Hulk. Joe Fixit might be my favorite Hulk. Um, So it's cool to see him being like the savvy, you know, opportunist, if you will. The the streetwise tough. Right. Who the lovable rogue with the heart of gold. Right. He's like, I'm the guy who, you know, all those times that Banner loses his pants and then has to, he's like, I'm the guy who makes, who makes the, I'm the coal who makes this train roll. You know what I mean? Like I get food, I get stuff and it's him grifting or doing opportunities all through the book. And then like, we're not like, and he's like, of, of the two of us, me and emaciated, uh, you know, young dumb Hulk, like neither of us are heroes. And then maybe, Joe, just maybe they are, you know? So, like, because there's a moment in the book and I'm like, okay. So I really like this because it focused on uh, Joe and the, and the, 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 the different uh, dumb Hulk. A different way, I mean. It was just, it was fresh in 40-some issues of Immortal Hulk. It was a, a fresh way to go in, even in all this. So I really enjoyed it. And the UFOs being trained by Gyrick is just, I'm like, that's going to go as well as you expect it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, right. But I, like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I like this uh, issue a bunch. I'd be all for more exploration of Joe fix it like this kind of, mm-hmm. you know, living off the grid and not, uh, you know, he, he's, He's compelling. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. He's the he's probably the most charismatic character in the comics. Yes, in in, in this comic, I meant not all comics. <laughs> right, and then you know we we get our tease at the end that's on the main cover where we're going to have our big throwdown between the Hulk and the uh, UFOs at least in the next issue it seems. Right. Uh, but this is a really good book. Uh, don't let the recent controversy lead you astray. And if it does lead you astray, I completely understand why it does. I do, too. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them in uh, whether they get them in trade, whether you get them in hardcover, whether you wait for the corrected digital editions to come out, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is in the lead with one correct guess over me. Uh, Todd has little to no books this week. <laughs> um. So I will take a stab in the dark and say the book that you were most looking forward to coming out this week is DC Love is a Battlefield number one. By default, yes, because there's nothing truly, I'm going to say it even though we try to promote our show every week, there's nothing really in this book batch of books that's like blowing me away. So this is a nice little, like I say, uh, what is it, like uh, an anthology book where maybe I'll find a new writer that I enjoy or a new artist or something like that. So, yep. but that's... That's what it is. Looking over the your books, 
Is the book you're looking forward to most? I don't know. This is a crapshoot. Um, Daredevil 27? No. Okay. Uh, so uh, I'm in a similar... Like, usually when we have our list, there's one clear-cut winner. Mm-hmm. Um, the Black Hammer Visions could have been the one, but it's like an anthology book that kind of just scatter shots through Black, uh, Black Hammer. So it's good, but it's not looking forward to uh, amazing spider-man i'm a little bit behind on i'm looking to get caught up on that sooner than later and daredevil 27 only because they had the big reveal in 25 and they're doing a two issue uh king and black crossover so they're not even hardly touching on the big reveal from issue 25 right so the book that i'm most looking forward to coming out this week is king and black thunderbolts number two Right, wow, and it wasn't even th- number one yeah. at one point. So. Well, I think number one was like the same week as like, oh my goodness, what was, oh baby, what was that? It was like, it was like, it would have been like the third book if we were going by. Right, it was like, hey, we have Crossover, Immortal Hulk, Saga's back, and King and Black Thunderbolts number one. It was oh, so it was an Immortal Hulk week, right? So that's why uh, Thunderbolts got edged out. Gotcha. Um, that being said, uh, yeah. So it, the 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 King and Bla- the King and Black Thunderbolts team is a zany team, as <sighs> the uh, teams always are. But most importantly, on the team is Batroc the Leaper. Oh, good. Yes, I'm worried. a big Batroc the Leaper fan. You are. You've always been. And then they have a, I'm not quite sure where he fits in, Taskmaster, the Rhino, Mr. Fear, and uh, Star, who was like that new hot uh, Captain Marvel villain that was introduced a few years ago. A few years ago? Was it sooner than that, maybe? No, I don't know. It, was, it wasn't like, a, like, she's not like a legacy character or something. I... I remember she was like one of those ones, like, oh, first appearance, gonna be a hot book, sort of thing. Oh, do you have the preview she was in? No, I think I used it for kindling. I'm sure that's a mistake that I won't regret 30 years from now. (laughs) Right. So we're all back tied up. Well, I like it. Makes me happy that no one has any sort of distinct advantage this early in the game. Right. I always say, like, even though everybody's like, oh, it's 0-0 zero, zero again when it's tied up, I'm like, yeah, not if you're betting the over-under, it isn't. So. While you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done in the past, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, or the returning Todd and Joe have issues where we are going to discuss the most recent issues uh, in the chronology of Jonah Hex, which is issues eight and nine, and the finale to the Exile Returns in the Clone Saga, Spider Clone Saga, excuse me, right. in Spider-Man 53. Put some respect on it, Joe. So I have some loose notes on my Jonah Hex stuff. Sure, I bet you they're looser than usual, so... <laughs> So, uh, issue eight, we have uh, someone that Jonah knows from a previous life. Of course, Jonah is showing up in a town, redeeming a bounty, where it's a, he brings a casket with 
uh, several decapitated heads in there. Mm-hmm. And as I wrote in the uh, in the the show post for this, it's like, hey, don't forget, this is like a not comics code approved book, but it's not a Vertigo book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's an image like two pages in, and it mentioned in the post, but it's like preceded by someone vomiting on panel. <laughs> you know, usually in a comic book, when someone vomits, they turn their back to the and you like get the wretch sound effect. It's like, no, no, you see the chunks in this. That's right. Green. Um, yes. So Jonah, of course, as usual, is waiting for his payment. He's spending time in the local saloon um, where he is uh, speaking to some of the ladies that would frequent a place like that in the late 1800s where someone that he knows shows up. And what was the guy's name? Clevenger? I believe so. Okay. He shows up and he's like, hey, I ran afoul of these people, the bedroll killers. Uh, They're after me. I acted in self-defense. You got to do what you can to help me. And a bunch of them show up. Like four of them show up to the town. Jonah assists uh, Clevenger in taking them down because he's unarmed and they draw on him. Jonah giving his friend the benefit of the doubt. But now the fact that they've killed these four... Clevenger's like, oh, no, the rest are coming for me, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Jonah's like, well, we better stake things out. We got to get ready. Tells the sheriff, you better start handing out badges and deputizing people if these people are coming. Right. And, and something, just so you know, in there, that when these people show up, they're all speaking. Look, sound, sounds like German. Yes. So nobody can understand them. Right. Yes. I forgot to mention that. So they're speaking German. They're speaking another language. I think mm-hmm. it was... German. <laughs> right. Their words had a different ac- accent. I think it was German. <laughs> okay. So we get a little character bit here, which we don't get a ton of these these issues so far with Jonah. J- I hate to say that Jonah is a force of nature, mm-hmm. but they're kind of taking for granted that you know Jonah's deal if you're reading this book, right? Right. And we don't get a ton of like character development for Jonah. And in this one we do because Jonah takes the higher ground and the comely young lass from the saloon is, you know, making her advances on Jonah and Jonah remarks like, "Aren't you too good looking to be doing this?" To which she says, "Who are you to judge me by my looks? Just because you look the way you do does that mean you should be a killer, you know? Mm-hmm. This is what I do regardless of how I look." Right. And she kind of says, like, I'm sure regardless of how you look, you'd be doing the same thing that you're doing. Yep. And he he gets it. He laughs at it. And that's the thing. Under normal circumstances, the gruff, you know, I got no friends sort of thing. I take no business from no one. Jonah would, like, like, make some sort of offhanded remark to her. But he's like, he kind of, like, it's like, you got me. And that's the thing. She's not being rude she's not being trying to get over on him she's like she she hits him with some fact and he's like all right i gotta respect that like everybody else has either come at him or been stupid you know what i mean and he he will not abide that and this is like all right you know i get it but yeah so i i get what you mean so then the rest of the bedroll killers show up and they're all like old people and grandmothers and stuff like that looking for this Clevenger guy. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out this Clevenger guy may not have been completely honest with Jonah in regards how, how he 
uh, became a foul of the bedroll killers. Uh, he may have assisted some other folks in assaulting one of their own, and in doing so may have shot one of the children of this group. Mm-hmm. And Joan is like, well, that's all I need to hear. You're hanging at dawn, my friend. Mm-hmm. And I do like the way he's like, I got some questions for him. He's like, I, you know, everything's good. And he just shoots him in the leg. He's like, now you're going to answer me? And I'm like, Ugh. Jonah's interrogations are not pretty. And it's just, you know, and he rides off. And it's like, it's it's just, like you said, it is kind of a force of nature. But, you know, he's he's trying to do what he can, where he can, like when he can. He'll He'll pick his spots. Let's put it that way. And because, once again, if you notice, it's a little girl or a child, that's like one of his weak spots. You know what I mean? As it seems to be, it seems to be a pattern forming, you know? Right. Moving on to the next issue, issue mm-hmm. nine, where we start things off where Jonah is riding into town. Uh, so it would seem with this little girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been ambushed. Jonah has an arrow completely going through his arm, <laughs> which even to the fanciful nature of this this book, um, I think would be doing a little bit more damage to him than he is possibly letting on. So he rides off with this little girl um, to a, a native person, a shaman, if you will, mm-hmm. who brings Jonah in and fixes him of his wounds, right? Right. And then I guess we go to a point maybe before this happened. Yep, it's a flashback. Okay, so Jonah is in town for the bounty on Cleet Abrahams. <laughs> and uh, someone needs to do a, a laundry list of all the names of the people that Jonah goes and tracks down. Because I love mm. all these old-timey names. <laughs> they are some good ones. Mm-hmm. So then we see Jonah run into this little girl, Adele, in town. And she essentially asks if she could touch Jonah's face. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously she's a little girl, she's curious, and there's a part in the art, and this is by Tony DiZanuga, mm-hmm. starting to warm up a little bit to his art now, and there's a panel in particular where they show her hand on his face, mm-hmm. and Joan is disfigured. Depending on the artist, it depends on how disfigured they draw him, but right. there's the, the one panel we're in both of his eyes, which are both very different due to the accident. Z- Dizuniga draws such sympathy in both <laughs> those eyes. And it's right. rare that you see that sympathy, that sort of vulnerability, that sort of whatever you want to call it, in Jonah Hex. Yes. I almost say a sadness in his eyes. Okay. Um, in this panel, because she's touching his scarred face, even though it's a younger, I don't know, I just, I, it could be any of those, but there, it, but I will give you, there's definitely something in the eyes. Right. So the girl's mother comes out and says, you stay away from my daughter, you're up to no good. Jonah tries to explain himself, the little girl tries to explain herself. Nobody listens to either one of them. A bunch of the people in the town, including uh, Cleet Abraham, try to bum rush Jonah. And we get a scene, again, a little bit maybe more fanciful than not, (laughs) and maybe you can lend a little credence to this, where Jonah is able to deflect these men's bullets with his sword that he has. 
Um, I take it that they miss him, but one does hit, one hits the sword and ricochets. Because right. he doesn't actually, I don't, I never take that he hits the bullets. I just take that he pulls, he pulls the sword. The art that I'm looking at is he pulls the sword and he turns sideways. Kind of thins himself out, if that makes any sense. Instead of having that broad shot and they miss him. That's the, that he's too quick for them. Okay. And that's the, that's the liberties you kind of have to take in a Western or else Jonah would be gunned down in every single issue. Right. So the ricochet hits the little girl. Jonah does what he can to try to save her. Uh, the folks around are none too cooperative. And sadly, the little girl passes away. Mm-hmm. Now, the little girl's mother um, does not have a father for the mo- for the little girl. So she, in, her, in and of herself, is already a pariah in the town. Mm-hmm. And she comes to try to get her come up and on a drunken Jonah. That does not go very well. We now flash forward again to the main part of the story. It seems as though Jonah was maybe hallucinating that the little girl was with him. Yep, he was he was having like I I look at it as guilt visions. You know what I mean? While he was drunk and like losing a lot of blood from the attack that you know that he was hurt from. Right. So he comes back to the town. To pay his respects at the little girl's grave. And in a moment of anger leading to passion. Uh, Jonah and this woman run off together. But then they get the drop on them. By three men who have been after the bounty on Jonah. And then it turns out that Jonah hired these men to come and get her. I guess to give, to get him, Jonah to give this woman some sort of peace of mind that the man that she thinks killed her daughter is getting his uh, comeuppance. Yep, and hence the name of the issue, Getting Unhaunted. Right, Both, so right. it just seems a little needlessly elaborate to go through these lengths to do what he did, but it's very respectful of what Jonah did in all of this. Right, and once again... um, like I said, the other weak spot that he has is for mothers uh, like kids. He has a weak spot for mothers. Um, I like this issue better than the the other one. I think um, the, the first one that we discussed, the art was much weaker. It was like very just average art as, I was, as far as I was concerned. Just like no great shots like we've had with Luke Ross or Tony. But like you said, I've really liked the art uh, that Tony did in this one. So I like the second issue better than the first one. Uh, I thought both were good of their own accord. Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, that leaves me with Spider-Man 53, I believe is the number. Yeah, 53, right? Um, Where it leaves off that the last we had, it was uh, Ben Riley as the Scarlet Spider has gone to take down uh, Venom. Um, and then the last panel of last issue that, that we were in, he's like, you know, I've, I, that's it. No more. And then I do like that. There's been a little, there's been 30 seconds between the issues and now Venom's strangling Ben with his own scarlet spider hoodie off the top of the building. Um, what's the female symbiote's name? I always sign scream, scream. Um, so that he's kind of protecting her cause she's knocked out there apparently. And uh, 
He's like, okay, this is going to get me. Maybe I should just give up to this maniac. But no, Aunt May raised me better, even though they're not my memories. Um, and I don't know what's going on with Peter, but Peter has a deal with this guy to let him run in, with this psycho run around. So he ends up fighting him. And then, uh, you know, he gets loose and he's like, oh, we're, we're going to go at it. Um, while this is going on, we jump to several um subplots so i'm going to go through all the subplots and then we'll come back to venom and peter uh venom and ben um so one of them is ken ellis the reporter who named scarlet spider is working into the night and jay jonah's like don't obsess you know what i mean like which i find funny from jonah you know what i mean like because he's like i you know it never works out well so i don't know if he learned his lesson by this point or or what but it was an interesting turn with jonah um next we uh we go to uh Craven's son Grim Hunter because apparently Grim and Gritty Hunter was taken Joe. Um he's at the grave of his father uh Craven the Hunter um saying like you know last you saw me I or last that happened anybody saw me I was in jail from the spider but our money got me out and now I'm going to avenge the, the family name kind of a thing. And I'm like, okay. And he might be the 90s thing that we've seen so far in this book. Um, I'm not a fan of <laughs> grim Hunter. What if cable was a Craven? You know what? That's not a bad take. And he has like little pouches on his, on his ankles too, like uh, Ben Riley. So that's nice. Um, while that's going on, uh, we cut to Utah, I believe. And I can't think of the, the guy's name is, uh, he's detective Jacob Raven. That's right. What about <laughs> Jacob? What about Raven? Right. And he gets the call that, uh, somebody has, has shown up in New York with, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a scar on their face, which I believe was the, the people that Kane killed a couple issues ago, maybe. Yes. Okay, because I, I wasn't one hundred percent sure if they uh, if they uh, they showed that or whatever. But he's like, okay, and he's like, this is definitely my guy. So now Jacob uh, Raven is like, okay, I have to get you know whatever I've been covering is happening in New York. So that's a, a subplot, and then we cut to uh, Mister Thorpe is killing his brother. He's come back to take over. An organization. I don't know if the Thorpes are some characters I should know, or this is like some up and coming criminal organization that they're making now. Do you know what I mean? For Ben Riley, or if it's been an established, like I should know who the Thorpes are. Any, no, nope, you shouldn't. Okay, good enough, good enough. So he's, and when he kills his brother, he's like, oh, hey, wh what, what's going on with our crime family syndicate thing? And they're like, oh, everything's good except for Spider-Man. He keeps messing stuff up. He's like, plan number one, eliminate Spider-Man. So now we have that going on. And then while all this is, while, all, while Venom and, and Ben are fighting, Kane is there going like, oh, there he is, the lucky one. He was always lucky. You know, he, he died and came back. That's how lucky he is. But uh, that's going to all change now when... When I, you know, whatever, like I'm watching him now. So I'm like, okay, Kane is doing whatever. I still don't understand Kane's powers. Um, I don't know what he does. So we get back to Ben and 
uh, Venom, and he's going at it, and he's like, he's still busted up from almost being gutted, and he's like learning the ropes again. He's finally trusting his his Scarlet Spider sense, and he has an idea to take him down. He ends up using the impact webbing to uh, shoot it into the ven- the symbiote's mouth while it's open, and because it expands, it ends up separating the symbiote uh, uh, from. Uh, Brock, which I actually thought was an interesting way to do it. And then some people show up and they're like, well, we're going to keep them separate and take them apart and take them away, which now kind of maybe is, I think is where he goes when we read him in that amazing two-parter Venom sign of the boss that he's working for some government agency. So I'm guessing that's where we're at. And Ben is back in town, baby. So that's pretty much I the whole I've covered everything, right? Yes. Uh, so as I mentioned before, when we were talking about redemption. Uh, there was a lot going on, a lot of characters introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, there's a lot of dangling threads and subplots just thrown at you willy nilly in this, huh? Yes, there are. It comes at this one was this one was I was like, oh, every other page I'm like, oh, something, something, something. So now I guess these will be all the people in the in the Ben Riley book and then we'll have all the like whoever else like the maybe the classic cast of characters in the Peter books, you know. So, but yeah, I I do like the fact that he he that that Ben and I've said it maybe last time is that Ben like has no history with Venom, so he's like pfft, like you're other than being really tough, I have no fear of you. You know what I mean? And I and I and I like that. And I do like that Venom's like, you're the you're the fraud, you're the faker, you're this, you're that, and you're taking me away from my my uh my my face in my mind, my face turn. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh but yeah, you know, it was an it was it was a fun story. Uh let's just put it this way, uh Clone Saga hasn't gone off the rails yet. Right. So, um, you know, obviously more continuation of that reporter who gave him the name. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Grim Hunter is the next story arc uh, that we read, which is Web of Life. Okay. Right. Um, Jacob Raven, the detective from Utah, and Kane are intertwined. Okay. I figured, yeah. Obviously, we get more on that. Um, when do we get more on that? I don't know. It says next issue. Who is Kane? Mm-hmm. So I don't, um, know, I don't know if we find out who Kane is yet. Because if there's anything about Marvel in this era, it's they were quick to 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 answer mysterious origins. They wouldn't let them go on forever, Joe. It's gonna be at least another in our reading of things. One, 70 two, issues no it's gonna be at least another four weeks before we get any sort of like big revelations right because we're on grim and gritty hunter mm-hmm. um and then i think it might even be another uh, longer than that before we get any sort of real resolution with the jacob raven stuff sadly the crime boss people are just like the random nameless faceless people that they put in Spider-Man books to be like crime figures when Kingpin is unavailable. That's right. Ben needs people to punch. Yes. 
That's right. So let's track out a bunch of criminals, nameless, faceless criminals. Though I will say when it comes to Kane, my brain, and I haven't looked anything up because I've stayed away like you asked me to. There is something that's floating around the back of my brain that makes me think I know who Kane is. Okay. And I just do your best poker face on non-video podcasting that he's a fellow clone of Peter. But I don't know. Your silence answers all, Joe. Well, again, I wasn't supposed to say anything. I was no, doing I like know. a poker That's face sort of thing. Right. Um, but all will be partially revealed and then further revealed and so forth. And then re- re- and then taken back and then revealed and then somebody else did it and then said, you know, everybody. Yeah, it's going to get very convoluted very, very quickly. Um, so I'm enjoying the Kane stuff. Cause I know where it goes, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I like the clues that are being given there. Like that. I know the answer. I'm like, Oh, okay. I see what they're saying. I know what they're doing. This makes sense. Now that I, now that I think about it, I'm thinking I remember, I'm remembering how the, the scars happen too. Uh-huh. If I'm right, that might have something to do with a, an ability that a certain character has. But anyway, anyway, uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com as well, be sure to check out our store uh, where we have shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Um, you can also check out our Tee Public store. The sale is ongoing as you hear this. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, everything is 35% off. Whether it be designs inspired by this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, Add Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, they are all over there. You can even get there quicker at tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. Uh, you could sign up for our Patreon. If you can't get enough of this podcast and you want more of me and Todd, you can get it for as little as a dollar a month, where you get two bonus shows a month from us. One, previewing the past, uh, where we look at this month 30 years ago uh, in the previews diamond catalog. And if you listen to After Dark this week, you get to hear how all that's coming together for years to come. <laughs> uh, you also get the six never-before-seen movies. Uh, we're fresh off of the me-making-Todd-watch-Dick-Tracy episode. We are on the heels of Todd-making-me-watch-The-Highlander, which I've never seen before. Strangely, I've seen The Highlander too, but I've never seen The Highlander. That's the way you're supposed to do it, I believe. I guess. I think it was that The Highlander 2 was in much more heavy rotation on HBO and Basic Cable, where Highlander was was in rotation, but not heavy rotation. Right. So I think Highlander 2 was easier to see if you wanted to. I think you mm-hmm. had no choice. And uh, if you pay at the $5 and up level, not only do you get those two shows two weeks before everyone else, you also get uh, After Dark uh, three days before everyone else. So you get to enjoy the show in the correct listening order. And if you've ever done it that way, you know what we mean. Right. And we enjoy you enjoying the shows in the correct order. (laughs) Another way that you can help (laughs) us out, of course, is by making any and all of your purchases through the Amazon click-through at the top of the page. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the uh, advertising fee. Yay. Yay. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include very heavy comic week this week, actually. 
Uh, we had folks purchasing the uh, trade paperback or the hardcover rather of Captain America: No Escape, which was the Ed Brubaker Butch Geis uh, story arc that reintroduced Zemo into uh, Brubaker's run on Cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, volume four: Time Runs Out of Jonathan Hickman's run on the Avengers. The hardcover collection of Batman, Whatever Happened to the Cape Crusader, that two-issue uh, little series written by Neil Gaiman back, uh, I think, at the tail end of the 52? Be- before New 52 happened? I think it was before I New 52 a, happened. I think it was a little bit before New 52. And it was supposed to be the bookend that would go with Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Yeah. It didn't quite think it did. live up. No. No. And uh, somebody also purchased the Lego Harry Potter Build Your Own Adventure book, which seems like fun uh, for either of the Harry Potter fans in my house. Ooh, two. (laughs) Two at least. Yeah, so uh, thank you anyone and everyone who uh, made any of those purchases, signs up for the Patreon, purchased anything through the Public or directly through us. It's all greatly appreciated. Yes. So, Todd, did we have any uh, art attacks this week? We only had one from, you know, super mega contributor Rebecca's Art. Uh, a bloody face by Rebecca. And it's an interesting uh, look on it because, you know, we've had a lot of fun stuff, a lot of caring stuff. And now this is like, I, I'm trying to remember because I, there has been a lot of Rebecca's Art uh, and it's all been fabulous. But uh, this one has like a, a rough and tumble kind of like, because obviously it's a beat up bloody face. It's just a different feel for anything that it seems that she's that she's sent in before but you know like a good artist can do you know all kinds of genres and different looks and this is you know very compelling and as uh gruesome or as grisly as the face may look uh the one thing that i do have to compliment that i think would be different but at least a through line to a lot of rebecca's stuff very nice eyebrows and very nice hair that looks like it's right out of a Vidal Sassoon ad. And very, what's the word, like, uh, emotional eyes. Like, they convey whatever, like, trying to draw, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And the bit of the blood dripping down the the lips is kind of kind of creeping me out. Because you know my ick factor, you know, Joe? So, yes, I do. So, d- job well done there in icking me out. So I think that covers everything on the main part of the show, yes? I believe it does. All right. So we're going to take just a brief pause here. Uh, Thank everyone for uh, listening to episode 541, Longbox Heroes, before we get into our spoiler-filled discussion of WandaVision. He's taking a big swig of water here. So, this episode is a more melding of the two, I guess, plots, the two storylines, the two what-have-yous that are going on with all this. Right, the two, like, in in the sitcom world, the outside the sitcom world. Right, so the outside the sitcom world is still them trying to figure out how to get in there, how to rescue the people that are in there, how to help the people that are in there. Mm hmm um however on inside the bubble the the inside the hex no relation to jonas <laughs> uh it's now like a mid 80s sitcom yep the ties for the family family ties 
And there's a part where the babies age up from being babies to five-year-olds. And things are happening a little bit more frequently that are exposing the business of whatever Wanda is doing, specifically in front of the neighbor, which is raising suspicions to Vision that there's something going on. Right. Which, um, with all that, I think, you know how you had Kitty from the 70s shows being a certain character? Yes. I'm coming around on the neighbor being that character. That's what I'm thinking it is, too. Yes, right. of course. But, yes, you're saying, like, because there's a moment where she's, she's in, like, in the sitcom and she's taking care of the babies and she's like, oh, I missed my cue. Do I pick up the babies? Do I start over? And, like, Vision's, like, Vision's, like, full-on noticing everything now. You know what I mean? And he's, like, questioning and, like... Uh, Wanda's just kayfabing it all the way. Like, no, I'm never coming out of character. So, like, it's it's interesting to see him follow the breadcrumbs, if you will. Right. Uh, so... Uh, we find out that what was going on with this is that... Uh, so they put a timestamp on all of this, right? Mm-hmm. They give us a date and a timestamp of where this all happens. Um, obviously, this is after um, the blip, but they also let us know that nine days ago, Wanda broke into whatever maximum security thing where they had the Vision's corpse, and she steals it. Right, because he had a he had a living will. If anything happens, I don't want my body turned into a weapon or anything yes. like that. So just don't revive. Don't try to revive me. Right. Um, so we at least know like a time of like where this is all happening and when this is all happening and like the greater scheme of the timeline of all the Marvel cinematic stuff, right? Right. Um, and this at this and it's the, at this point where um, uh. Jimmy Woo and uh, what's her face from I call her Kat Dennings. I can't think of her real name. Kat Dennings are like, okay, what's going to happen when Vision finds out what's really going on? Mm -hmm. And Vision is finding out what's going on because while he's at work, he's setting up the computers with the internet for everyone there. And he kind of. How would you explain what he does to the coworker Norm? Um, well, first of all, it's because they send an email, it seems like, to kind right. of wake him up. And he ends up touching him. I would say, I would say awakening the real norm. And he's like, like Monica was like saying, like, while I'm under whatever I'm under, it hurts. Like, it, like, make, make her stop, blah, blah, blah. And then he ends up like, like, I can't deal with this. And he puts him back. So I don't know how he does it with the powers, but I'm guessing because... You know, I don't know how he's making them revert, to tell you the truth. Right. And then, like, once he, like, takes his hands off Norm, Norm just goes back to the character that he's playing in the sitcom world. Mm-hmm. Um, also, back outside of the Hex, uh, Monica Rambeau figures out with everything that is being made inside of the Hex. Um it has to be made from something like she's not creating this out of whole cloth. And they find out that the seventies clothes that she got bounced back out of was just kind of reformed by Wanda from the bulletproof vest or bulletproof clothing that she had on when she got pulled in. So like, that's going to be a thing of the way that they can 
figure out um, by sending in the drone that's from that time period so Wanda doesn't recognize Rever- it as... Doesn't revert it to like an 80s thing. Everything they're sending in is modern. She's turning into something in the era she's in. So yes. it's like, well, let's find an 80s drone and she it'll, it'll fit right into her world. Right. And they send it in to like do recon and maybe a little bit more. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the boys, uh, Billy and Tommy find a dog. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that the neighbor is like ready to go with whatever they need to help the dog at a moment's notice. Right. Vision's noticing that the neighbor has whatever they need whenever they need it. Right. And then by the end of the day, the dog eats some like leaves off a shrub that it shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And as the boys get upset, Wanda like specifically tells them like, don't age yourselves out of this. You right. know, you have to deal with this at this age sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, We're family. We're family. And like family sticks together and all this. And, you know, and then they ask her like, and we'll get, you know, this is kind of a, you know, do you have any family? And she's like, yeah, she discusses her brother a little bit and everything because they they had no idea who it was. And that's like the third mention of Pietro throughout these, these shows. And I'm surprised they didn't bring the dog back, but I'm figuring that they might do that down the line because she has the ability to do it. So I'm like shocked. I don't understand why she didn't, if that makes any sense. One can only hope that in the sitcom world, it was to have everyone learn a lesson. Right. Well, this is a very special episode, Joe. Right. Which, it's such a which... special episode that it causes Wanda to come out of the bubble to confront the sword people that are all around it. Right. Essentially the... saying to them, mm-hmm. you know, you need to leave me alone. Right, because the drone they sent in, which was just which Monica was piloting through the computer, was just supposed to do recon, but the guy who's running the business said, take the shot. She's like, what shot? And ends up trying to take to kill uh, Wanda. And Wanda's like, all right, comes outside and goes, no, no, we're having none of this. And he she ends up using her hex powers to turn the guns. Which she comes out and she starts using her wonderful Lana-esque accent again at this point. Oh, come on now. I think you're just so used to her not having the accent. Oh, no, it was terrible. Well, in Endgame and stuff like that, it was when she needed the accent. But anyway, she comes out and she ends up having using her powers to force all the soldiers to point the gun at him. And says, like, leave me alone. I'm going back in. And I wish I had it. Because the Mad Basis showed me a gif. There's a gif where she turns the guns on them and then walks away with a flourish with her hand as she's going that a certain other character who would make guns point at other characters did in another movie somewhere. But that's all I'm going to say. So. Uh Aha. So uh, of course you mentioned uh, at the end of the episode there, uh, there's been discussion throughout the entirety of the show in regards to Pietro, Pietro, Quicksilver. And when there's a tense moment at the end of the episode where Vision kind of calls Wanda out on everything that's going on and just says, like, we can't just go to bed and forget about everything that's going on. And then she makes, like, the credits roll. And it's, like, a very... Like, it's such a unique thing to have this happening where the the credits are rolling... 
but they're still going on with what they're doing. Where Wanda's right. trying to like move on, move and on to the Vi- next day, move on to the next time period, move on to the next whatever, and Vision's not allowing it to happen. He's like, no, 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 because what are you going to do, change the whole house again? Like, he knows at this point. He's like, no, you're going to change the house, and things are going to be different, and no, no, we have to discuss this. And I like this because this part literally becomes an after-credit scene at that point, in like a little joke. But they go in, and he's like, I don't remember my life, and I don't remember this. Like, what's happening to me? And... He, like there's that great shot. This is like the first superhero we think where they both hover in that superhero pose, like where they're facing off and you're like, our vision and, and Wanda going to go at it. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I found that, that, that interesting. And then kind of, she kind of makes everything kind of better. And like, you know, the very special episode kind of ending kinds, uh, kind of does it. And then there's a knock at the door. Right, and this uh, has become memeified, if you will. Right, and I will say, in the memification of this, it did not spoil of who it was before I got a chance to watch the episode. Right now, I want to say, um, as watching these episodes, keep mentioning Pietro. Pietro, we even talked about this. I was like, he's showing up. Like, they're gonna get the actor because she can, she can, like you know, manipulate stuff, and she's gonna bring him into her, her world kind of be like so i can have my brother back i'm like i'm i'm 100 sure we're gonna get quicksilver in this joe the door at the door is quicksilver they do the shot of her shocked the camera spins around he's got the gray hair and he walks in the door and it's quicksilver from the x-men movies and i i almost cursed just now i lost my stuff joe <laughs> i was like I got goosebumps right now. I'm like, what's going on? What's happening? This opens up a whole realm of possibilities up to and even bringing in crappy Dr. Doom. And I don't want that. I don't want that. But to see him walk in, I marked out in a way that I'm like, anything is possible in this show right now. Such a great scene. Such a great scene. The people outside the hex, the sword people are watching this. And I forget if it's Jimmy or Kat Denning says... She recast her brother. Yep. And I'm like, oh my God, that's such a good line too with it, you know? Mm -hmm. It's so perfect because we as the viewers of the show know that there's a Quicksilver outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and now he's here. Whereas they, the sword people, Kat Dennings, Jimmy Woo, etc., are watching the show inside of the Hex and have no idea. Right, they're not in on the gag as we are. Right. Oh, Joe, I know I said this. This scene was so great. Yes. So, so great. Because this Quicksilver is the far better Quicksilver. (laughs) Like, that other guy, like, he stepped on Quicksilver. This is the real Quicksilver. Oh, my goodness. Right. So yeah, so like I said, the 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 Quicksilver from Age of Ultron is very forgettable, right? But the one from Age of Apocalypse is the good one, and <laughs> uh, Days of Future Past. So I forget. Well, no, he's in. So he right, he's in. He's in Days of Future Past. He's in Age of Apocalypse. Right. And I don't know I, if he's in in the Phoenix one. I didn't see that one. So I'm okay. So I forget which one it is, 
it ha- let's just say it's apocalypse, okay? Right. <laughs> somebody said, somebody posted up a thing, uh, posted a YouTube video of the the biggest problem wrong with that X Men movie, Age of Apocalypse. Right. Is Quicksilver is literally in the movie for less than three minutes. And that includes scenes of him standing around while other characters are doing things. Yep. And and there's a YouTube master cut of <laughs> all of Quicksilver's scenes from Age of Apocalypse, including right. those scenes where he's just standing around doing nothing. Right. But the the two super speed scenes in those mo- in, in both Age of Apocalypse and Days of Future Past, two of the greatest scenes in comic book history. I love Quicksilver, and especially the one in uh, Days of Future Past with Time in the Bottle. I'm like, even Joss Whedon said when he did when he did uh, Age of Ultron, he's like, I lose. <laughs> he's like, there's, I tried to, you know, like I saw that come out, and I'm filming my movie, and I'm like, nope. And, but to be fair, spoiler alert, people, he was gonna kill him anyway. So why make him special? You know, right. Why because make us I think, care? Right, because Quicksilver's superpowers in Age of Ultron were super speed and bullet attraction <laughs> were two of his powers. So now the question I have is, where do we go from here with this with this introduction of this Quicksilver? Is this a one-off gag to pop us? Mm-hmm. Or is this the introduction to opening the door to these characters coming into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Okay. I was discussing this with somebody. I believe that it may be like it may be both in that it may be a one off because this because already we were supposed to have, you know, the Black Widow movie and the next movie is the multiverse with Doctor Strange. So I think this opened the door, whether this character is going to stay around in Age of uh, in WandaVision. I don't know, but I do think it opens up the door to be like. Who do we still have contracts with when we bought Fox? We have the guy who plays Quicksilver, and everybody loves him. Ask him, like, hey, um, would it be too much trouble if we invited you into the multi-billion dollar movie franchise? Oh, you know what? I think I can make some room in my calendar. Now, do they offer everybody? Like, do they get the guy, the kid who played young Cyclops? I don't know. But do they do they try to back up the Brinks truck to Hugh Jackman? Yes, they do. You know what I mean? Yes, they do. Here, cut open our little Brinks truck with your claw, Mr. Jackman, and take any amount you see you think is fair. So I do think it's kind of I do believe all hands will show up on deck for maybe the Doctor Strange movie, kind of the way Crisis on Infinite Earths worked for DC, where they had the Snyder people in the TV show. It's like, we can do all this. The sp- uh, uh, Into the Spider-Verse, we can do all this. We can do it now. But well, we're going to bring that... them all in, and we're going to keep a few. Right. And th- Okay, so I get where you're coming from, is we could cameo everyone. Right. But who's going to stick around is the question. Right. Okay. Right. And, the ones, and who's going to be cannon fodder? Yeah. Like, because we can bring in the two, we can bring in the two fantastic formers. And what if the rumors of Chris Evans coming back is for Human Torch? That'd be pretty crazy. That would be nuts. So you bring in the, 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 the okay FF, the crappy FF, and you just wipe them out in a battle. 
or you have them show up for a cameo, like through a through a wormhole or whatever they're doing. So yeah, like, and then it's like, all right, well, we don't want any of these. We're bringing in a new FF. But like I said, if you can get Hugh Jackman, you don't recast Wolverine. You know, so you get what I'm trying to say. I'm I all do. over the place. But the the Chris Evans thing is the Human Torch would be the best. <laughs> Well, there's already been discussion, you know, rumor and innuendo. We don't deal in that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They're filming the third Andrew Gar, not Andrew Garfield. Uh, what's the Spider-Man? The, uh, who... Yes, to- not Tobey Maguire. Um, the kid who plays Spider-Man. I got gotcha. you, uh, Tom Holland. The Tom. They're filming the third Tom Holland Spider-Man movie, mm-hmm. and there's discussion that there's already cameos in there for. Andrew Garfield, in there for Tobey Maguire, in there for Andrew Molina, Dr. Octopus, in there for Jamie Foxx, Electro. So you you do it there. You've established it with the Into the Spider-Verse animated feature. You could get away with it here a little bit because it's a little bit smaller of a scale. And then obviously you blow the doors off it with the Doctor Strange, Scarlet Witch multiverse movie. Right. I think we're all building. Like, I thought we were building to Secret Invasion, which I still think we are. Mm-hmm. But it's like, right now, I think the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe has like 9,000 irons in the fire. Right. But- and it just, it's the thing is that they're not getting a chance to take any of those irons out because of Hollywood being shut down for the last year and them not being able to release anything or move us forward with production on stuff that should have already been wrapped and ready to go. Right, right. And I mean, we're swinging into, like, right after WandaVision, we have four episodes left, I believe, and we're going into the the Captain America Winter Soldier show. I don't think we're that far off, if you know what I mean, like, but I think there's going to be a gap at at some point, but I get what you're saying, like, yeah, just, it's, it's just so much fun. And any day now, the Snyder Cut will be out, so that'll be just as cool. Yep. Just as cool, Todd. <laughs> yep. Of equal or lesser coolness. Exactly. A different kind of coolness, but cool nonetheless. <laughs> okay. So thanks for hanging in there with us on the uh, WandaVision talk. Uh, as you can tell, we really enjoy the show. Hopefully mm-hmm. you guys do as well. And I guess that's it for everything now, huh? I believe so. I believe that's the whole kit and or caboodle. Yes. Uh, So for Todd, this is Joe saying thank you very much for listening to episode 541 of Longbox Heroes. And we'll catch you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.